we're in this series talking about transformation, experiencing the supernatural life of Christ, and we've been trying to set this pattern that there's God's part and there's our part. There's God's part and there's our part. And, and in the passage that we're looking at today, John chapter 15, Jesus is um, he, he's giving us a simple illustration of what that's all about. In fact, it is the most simplified place in the Bible to understand the supernatural life in Jesus Christ. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to take about 30 minutes to try to unpack that, and then we're going to continue our worship service, bring Sergio and our worship team back up here, and to express our gratitude for God doing his part in our lives, back to him in praise and worship. So we want to study his word and then go back and express our love for him in in worship. Um, Jesus said in John chapter 15 that he's the vine, we're the branches. He produces fruit, we bear fruit. We abide, he produces fruit. So I'm going to come back to this over and over and over again because that's what Jesus does. In fact, this is the way Jesus says it in John chapter 15. I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me or without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. They gather them and they throw them into the fire and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father's glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. This is a passage that Jesus is teaching us what the authentic Christian life looks like, what the supernatural Christian life looks like. And it's, it's simple. So Jesus gives a simple illustration. He's the vine, we're the branches. The vine produces the fruit. The branches bear the fruit as they're abiding in the vine. Jesus produces fruit. We abide in Jesus. Say that with me. Jesus produces fruit. We abide in Jesus. Jesus produces fruit. We abide in Jesus. Jesus unpacks for us this simple truth in this illustration. Now, we can embellish it as we should with larger teachings from other places in the Bible as to what Jesus actually does to produce the fruit and what fruit looks like. And we can embellish it as we should from other passages in the Bible that talk about what does it actually mean to abide. But let's not miss the simple truth. This is the key, the key to the supernatural life in Christ. Understand God's part. He produces fruit. Understand our part. We abide in Christ. Now, in this passage, Jesus uses I, me, my, or vine, referring to himself, 18 times in eight verses. And he speaks of his followers as you or as branches 26 times. So this passage is all about a relationship with Jesus. It's an I-U relationship. Jesus, us. Jesus, us. Jesus produces fruit. We abide in Jesus. And when we forget that, when we get confused about that, when we complicate that, that's when the Christian life goes off the skids and goes off the rails. The Christian life is probably the simplest life that you could ever experience. It's a supernatural life. There's only one person who could live it, Jesus. So the 
key is understanding how does Jesus live it through us, in us, out of us. Well, we abide in Jesus, and he produces fruit. So I'm going to go through this passage looking at God's part and then looking at our part and just go verse by verse just to say what Jesus says about this supernatural life. So God's part. Jesus is the true vine, and the Father is the vine dresser. Jesus says in verse 1, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. When Jesus says, I'm the true vine, he's making a point of emphasis. In other words, there's a lot of false vines. There are false places we could try to find our security. There are false places where we could try to find power for our lives. There are false places where we could try to find the energy to live the Christian life. When we look to ourselves, when we look to the world, when we look to some methodology, when we look to some commandments or rules, when we look to some spiritual habits, when we look to anything else other than Jesus as, as the real way to live the Christian life, that's a false vine. See, Jesus is the true vine, and he says, my father is the vine dresser. I, I suppose that if Jesus was to complete this picture and speak of the Trinity, he would say, Jesus is Himself, he's the true vine. The Father is the vine dresser. And the Holy Spirit is the life, the source, the power that comes out of the vine into the branches. We're the branches. Jesus is the vine. God produces fruit. We abide in Jesus. So, Jesus is the true vine and the Father is the vine dresser. Secondly, Jesus lifts up branches in him that don't bear fruit. And he cleanses branches that do bear fruit to make them more fruitful. Now, if you were really kind of listening keenly to the scripture or if you're reading it in front of you, you'd know that's not exactly the way the passage reads. In fact, in the NIV, it says this, New International Version, it says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And what I submit to you is that is not a literal translation, it's an interpretation. Because what Jesus actually says is, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up, because he uses the Greek word iro, and that's what the word iro means, it means to lift up. A secondary meaning of iro, by the way, is to lift up and then to carry away. So the translators put that emphasis there because they're reading into it the way we take care of plants and prune plants today based upon our modern horticultural systems. But that's not the way they did it in the ancient world. Uh, Sometime back, Pastor Greg and I and a a few others were uh, on a men's mission trip to South Africa. And we stayed in a place in South Africa called Parle. And Parle is a a place where they have a lot of vineyards. And we actually stayed in a retreat house uh, on a vineyard. And and the, the vine dresser uh, of the vineyard kind of gave us a tour and he pointed out that sometimes as, as vines are growing, some branches, they, they, they grow downward and they get in the dirt and then they just, they grow along the dirt. But because they're in the dirt, they don't receive sunlight and they don't bear any fruit. Well, the vine dresser doesn't come along and cut it off and take it away. What he does is he actually lifts it up and places it up on a, on a trellis where it can get sunlight. Because when he lifts it up and puts it on a trellis where it can get sunlight, that branch starts to become fruitful. And that's the goal, to help the, help the branches become fruitful, put them in a place where they're connected to the vine in a way that they bear fruit. And that's what Jesus does for us. Sometimes we get in the dirt, gang. 
And there's not fruit coming out of our lives because we're not in a vital connection to the vine. And so what the vine dresser does is he lifts us up so we can become fruitful. And he cleanses us. Again, the NIV says, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. And, you know, you think about like pruning your rose bush. You, you cut back uh, the, the, the branches to where it's like almost a stubby looking thing, but then it kind of grows back out. That's not what the verse actually says. That's not what Jesus actually says. The word is katharizo. The word katharizo means to cleanse or to purify. What Jesus does is he lifts us up and he cleanses us. He cleans us up. Again, the ancient custom of a vine dresser with the vines was to go through the vineyard personally with a basin of water and a rag and to take every, every branch and to wash it and cleanse it because a lot of insects would get on there and, and, and that would hinder the fruit production. And since the vine dresser was committed to that vine and branches becoming as fruitful as possible, he would personally clean every branch so that it would bear more fruit. See, that's what Jesus does with us. He lifts us up and he cleanses us. Why? He wants to make us fruitful. Because he produces fruit, we abide. He produces fruit and we abide. Here's a third thing that it says about God's part. He speaks his word to us to make us clean. See, the way he cleanses us, verse three, you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. That's the way God cleans up our lives. He uses his word. The, the, the scriptures speak to us and clean us spiritually. That's why it says in, in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scriptures inspired by God. And it's profitable for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness. That, that the person of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, what God's word does, it cleans us by teaching us and rebuking us and correcting us and training us and equipping us for good works. That's what God wants to produce in our lives. And he uses his word to do it. There's God's part and there's our part. God's part is to produce fruit. And our part is to abide in Jesus. He speaks his word to clean us so that we can be fruitful. A fourth thing this passage says about God's part, Jesus abides in us. Jesus abides in us. Verse four says, Jesus is speaking. He said, abide me and I in you. It's the I in you part that makes all the difference. See, Christians... Authentic followers of Jesus Christ are not merely people who've kind of changed their worldview or belief system or their moral code or their Sunday activities. No, a Christian is someone who has Christ in them. A Christian is someone who has Jesus Christ living inside of them. It's Jesus in us that is the factor of supernatural living in Christ. Jesus in us. Paul put it this way in Galatians chapter 2. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And Paul goes on to say in Galatians chapter 4, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And the spirit calls out from within us, Abba, Father. See, Jesus is abiding in us through his spirit. The spirit of Jesus lives inside of us. 
when, when my daughter Ashton, who, who is uh, uh, now a senior, soon to be graduating from the University of Alabama, Roll Tide, hey, the school that gets your money gets your loyalty. That's just the way it is. When she was little, like five years old, I was, I was putting her bed one night and praying with her and reading her Bible stories. And she said, Daddy, Daddy, I, I have a question. I said, yes, sweetheart, what is it? She said, how could Jesus be in heaven and in my heart at the same time? And I looked at her and I said, Donna, Ashton has a question. You've got to answer it. No, I, I understood that what she... As a five-year-old, she's got a concrete understanding. That's the way the brain develops. There's a developmental aspect of our human brains, and at a certain season and stage of life, we can only think in concrete terms. We can't think in abstract terms until our brains develop. That usually happens about 11, 12, 13 years old. So as a five-year-old, she thought there's Jesus in heaven and a little tiny Jesus living in her human heart. And so the best I could, I tried to explain, the spirit of Jesus lives inside you because you love God. The spirit of Jesus lives inside of you. The spirit of Jesus lives in us. That's what distinguishes us as followers of Jesus. That's what qualifies us to be branches in the first place. It's Jesus in us. See, God's part is to produce fruit. And our part is to abide in Jesus. And Jesus says in this illustration that Jesus produces fruit. He says, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. So it, it, it begs the, the simple but maybe very profound question, well, what is fruit? What, what is he talking about here in the first place when he's talking about fruit? Um, fruit in the context of Jesus' teaching, in, in the larger New Testament context, fruit is the outward evidence or outward expression of the inner nature. Fruit is the outward expression of the inner nature. So I've, I've, I've shared this with you before. If we were to walk out into an orchard and there were trees with apples hanging on them, you wouldn't have to be an expert to say, that's an apple tree. If you saw another tree and there were oranges hanging on it, you go, well, that's an orange tree. If there was another tree with bananas hanging on it, you go, well, it's a banana tree. When, when we go to Haiti in a few weeks with the men, we'll see trees with mangoes hanging on it, and there'll be guys who've never been to Haiti in their life. We'll go, oh, it's a mango tree. Because the fruit is the outward expression of the inner nature. And if the nature of a tree is apple, it produces apples. The nature. Remember, what does Jesus say? I'm in you. Jesus is inside of us. So as we are abiding in Jesus, Jesus produces out of us fruit. That's anything that points back to Jesus. Any, any choice, attitude, priority, action, word, lifestyle that points back to Jesus. It's the manifestation of Jesus. God produces the fruit. We abide in Jesus. Well, what kind of fruit would God produce in my life or through my life? Anything that 
points back to Jesus. It, it might be the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It, it might be the fruit of forgiving somebody who wronged you, turning the other cheek. It, it might be the, the, the fruit of resisting temptation and choosing God's righteousness over the pressures of the world. It might be the fruit of tithing 10% of your income to God's kingdom in obedience to Scripture. It might be the fruit of showing compassion to, to, to someone in need. It might be the fruit of sharing the gospel of Jesus with a neighbor. It might be the, the, the fruit of, of living on the basis of kingdom priorities. It, it might be the fruit of using your spiritual gift to build up the church of Jesus Christ. It, it might be the, the, the fruit of setting your mind on the things above and not on the things that are on earth. It might be the fruit of letting no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only words that are good for edification, that it might give grace to those who hear. You see, Fruit is anything that Jesus produces through you that points back to Jesus. Fruit is anything that Jesus produces through you that points back to Jesus. And, and God produces fruit, and we abide in Jesus. Here's a sixth truth here, observation. When we abide in Jesus and he's abiding in us, he produces much fruit. In fact, you could see a progression if you, if you went in John 15 all the way through to the end of the chapter. He talks about how he produces fruit. He produces much fruit. He produces remaining fruit. Je Jesus produces fruit through branches that are abiding in him. There's a tree in, in, in my yard. that It was there before we, we moved in that it, it, the trunk kind of comes up and then it's split and then there's a kind of very large branches and then a bunch of branches off to that. Somewhere in the past there must have been some kind of windstorm or something that broke the tree, split the tree and it's actually, you can see how it split and there's a part where the, the, this big branch is not connected to the trunk and, but there's a part that is connected. So even though it's an impaired connection, an imperfect connection, uh, a, a less than the way it was designed connection, there's some connection. And because there's some connection, branches are growing off from that main branch. There's leaves, there's life, but there's vitality. You see, you don't have to be a perfect branch. You, you don't have to be a branch that has, has never wavered in your relationship with God. You just have to be a branch that's somehow connected to Jesus. And and this is what Jesus is saying. Every believer has some kind of connection to Jesus. That's what makes them a believer in the first place. And wherever that connection is, the life of Jesus can flow into the branch and Jesus can produce fruit. Now, here's the great news. The greater the connection, the greater the potential for fruit production. The greater the relationship with Jesus, the greater conduit for the life of Jesus to flow in and through you to produce fruit. But there's got to be some kind of connection to even be a branch. J Jesus, what does he do? He produces fruit. What do we do? We abide in Jesus. We abide in Jesus. And when we abide in Jesus and he's abiding in us, he, he produces much fruit. This passage also says about God's part, Jesus will do for us what we ask when we're abiding in him and his words are abiding in us. He'll, he'll do for us what we ask. Um, did you know that Jesus hears 
and answers prayer. That's his part. See, his part is to be the answerer. Our part is to be the asker. What's God's part? Answerer. Our part, asker. And, and he answers all kinds of prayers. He says, ask whatever you desire. So ask for parking places at the shopping mall. Ask for a tax break when you, you know, have to deal with the IRS. Ask for a raise in your job. Ask for your kids to get into the school that, that's their, their top-tier choice. Ask for whatever. But remember what he says. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Well, think about it. If you're abiding in Jesus and you're letting Jesus' words abide in you, are you just going to pray prayers for parking places and scholarships and tax breaks? No, you're going to pray prayers that Jesus would pray. You're going to pray prayers for your church and prayers for, for your missionaries and prayers for your neighbors and, and, and prayers for God's kingdom agenda in the world and prayers for your character and prayer, prayers for your intimacy with Jesus and prayers for your spiritual transformation. You're going to pray prayers that reflect you've got an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ and his words are abiding in you. And Jesus says, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you when you're in this abiding relationship. Because God's part is to produce the fruit. And our part is to abide in Jesus. Here's an eighth thing it says. The Father is glorified when he produces much fruit in our lives. Jesus says, ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. See, as Jesus produces fruit and much fruit through our lives, that glorifies God. So track with me on this. A strong case could be made that what God is preeminently concerned about is his own glory, that people see who he is, know who he is, worship him for who he is. When he produces fruit through our lives, he receives glory. So do you think God wants to produce fruit through your life? Yeah, God wants to produce fruit through your life more than you want to experience that fruit. And, and when he does, you see, he receives glory. It's like uh, when, you, when you have school-aged kids and it's back-to-school time and so you go shopping and you get kind of new outfits for your kids to go back to school. And you don't want to buy, you know, funky clothes so your kids look like, you know, like they're fundamentalists who live in Idaho somewhere. You, you want to buy kind of cool, trendy clothes. You know, if this is being heard by somebody in Idaho, I didn't mean that personally. Um, <laughs> You want to buy cool clothes. So your kids kind of are, are looking sharp, right? And then somebody says, boy, your kids, they just, they're dressed really sharp. Now, they compl- complimented your kids, but who'd they really compliment? You, because you bought the clothes for them. See, God wants to produce fruit through our lives. So what? He receives the glory. He receives the glory. What does God do? He produces fruit. What do we do? We abide in Jesus. This is the supernatural life in Christ. Yeah, yeah. There's there's more to what God does, and yeah, there's more to what we do. But we got to get this simple truth down. God produces fruit. We abide in Christ. So now, what is our part according to John 15? This illustration Jesus gives. Well, he says we're branches. Verse five says, "I'm the vine, and you are the branches." See, ap- think about this. Apart from being connected to the vine. Just laying on the ground. You know what a branch is? A stick. That's all it is. A stick. But if it's in an abiding connection to the vine, 
It's a branch that bears the fruit that Jesus produces. We're just branches. We are not the source. We are conduits of the source. Jesus is the source. Jesus produces fruit. We are branches abiding in Jesus. He produces fruit through us. Here's a second observation. We are to abide in Jesus. Verse four, Jesus says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Our number one priority in the Christian life is to abide in Jesus Christ. That's it. Number one priority, to abide in Je- every day, abide in Jesus Christ. 24-7, abide in Jesus Christ. To always be abiding in Jesus Christ. This is, in, in the grammar that Jesus spoke it, a present aorist imperative. And what that means, grammatically, and this is why it's important, that's why I bring it up, present aorist imperative means do it and do it now. Do it and do it now. Jesus is saying to every one of us, do it and do it now. Abide in Jesus. Do, abide in Jesus now. Don't say, well, I'll think about this later. No, do it now. Don't say, well, once I get my life all together, I'll, no, do it now. Well, once I get married and have a family, I do it. No, do it now. Well, once I kind of get more financially secure, that, no, do it and do it now. Abide in Jesus right now. Don't put it off. Don't come up with an excuse. Don't overthink it. Abide in Jesus right now. If you're here today and you've never made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ, do it now. Invite Jesus to come into your life. Call on Jesus to forgive you and be your Savior. If you're here and you're a branch, but you're not doing a very good job at abiding, do it and do it now. Abide in Jesus. That's what he says. See, abiding, the word abide is the the Greek word minnow. Sounds like that little fish in a creek, a minnow. But what it means is to remain in, to stay connected in, to to, abide. to be in a relationship with, to be usable, to be available, to be plugged in, to stay close, to stay attached. The strength and vitality of the connection determines the potential for receiving all the life from the vine. The strength and vitality of your connection with Jesus Christ determines how all of his life and resources and love and power and faith and hope flow into your life and produces fruit out of your life. God's part, produce fruit. Our part, abide in Christ. Now, abiding. Listen to me. Abiding is the most proactive, passive thing you'll ever do. And this is what I mean by that. It's proactive. You've got to do everything you can to stay connected to Jesus Christ. And then you receive life from Jesus. You do everything you can to stay connected to Jesus. And then you receive all the life from Jesus that produces fruit. So what does abiding look like? It means spending time with Jesus. It means listening to Jesus. It means talking to Jesus. It means worshiping Jesus. It means confessing your sins and repenting of anything that would disconnect you from Jesus. It means receiving the encouragement of other people who love Jesus. It means renewing your your mind with the truth of Jesus. It means obeying all the commands of Jesus. It means doing all the things that Jesus would do. It means investing your time, your talent, your treasure, everything you have in the things that will exalt Jesus. It is the most proactive thing that you'll ever passively experience. See, 
Why? Because only God can produce fruit, but we've got to abide. We've got to abide in Jesus. Here's a third observation. We cannot bear fruit unless we abide in Jesus. Jesus said, verse 4, Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. See, God never intended for us to try to produce our own fruit. And, and I can only tell you that this is the great deception, both on this side of crossing the line into faith in Jesus Christ and on this side of crossing the line of faith in Jesus Christ. See, on this line, the great deception is you got to work your way to God. you got to work and earn God's love. No. You just have to receive it. That's all. Because God loves you unconditionally and perfectly and could never love you anymore. But you have to receive it. Now, you receive the love of God in Jesus Christ. Now you're on this side of the line. What's the great deception? I got to work myself to experiencing more of that love. I got to do all these things, jump through all these hoops, follow the three keys, the seven principles, the the 10 commandments. I got to do all these things to get it. No. You have to do one thing. Abide. Abide in Jesus. That's it. But it's the most proactive thing you could possibly do. Because only God can produce fruit and we cannot bear fruit unless we abide in, in Jesus. In, in our old house where we used to live in, in Tribuco Canyon before we moved, um, I became an expert gardener with respect to replacing water valves and sprinklers and pipes. Now, I only have myself to blame because I was the guy who put it in in the first place. And I tried to go cheap, and then I suffered for it all the years afterwards living there. I, I used, this was a common occurrence. The, the, the sprinklers would go on, and I, we had a big backyard, and I noticed some sprinkler that just a little bit of water was coming out of. Not very much water. And, and I'd go over, and I'd look at it. What? And then I'd kind of walk back to where the valves were, and then I'd find a really soggy spot in, in the grass turn the water off, dig it up, and sure enough, in the pipe, going from the valve to the sprinkler, it was broken. So some water was coming through, but most of it was bleeding out. Because the connection was broken, the water couldn't get into the sprinkler. Is there some way the connection between you and Jesus is broken? Maybe it's because you're not engaging with Jesus. Maybe it's because... Maybe it's because... Maybe it's because there's something you know God wants you to do and you're not doing it. Or maybe there's something you know God says don't do and you're doing it anyway. That breaks the connection with Jesus. And it's just like that sprinkler that just a little bit of water's coming out because the water's just getting wasted because the pipe's broken. See, we can't bear fruit unless we are connected, vitally connected to Jesus every day, 24-7, because God's part is to produce fruit and our part is to abide in in Jesus. In fact, Jesus reemphasizes the same point here in John 15, and he says not only can we not bear fruit, we can't do anything. He says without Jesus, we can do nothing. 
Verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Jesus, Jesus is saying, we don't bring anything to the table of spiritual value, eternal significance, kingdom worth, lasting impact. It all comes from Jesus. All of it. See, we, we abide, and Jesus produces the fruit. If, if I had a lamp up here, you know, a nice lamp, and put a brand new bulb in it, and I took the cord over here, and here's, here's these plugs up here on the stage. You can't see them, but I'm touching them. And rather than plugging it in, I just kind of put it close to the plug. And I come over here, and I start, you know, hitting the switch. Nothing, nothing's happening. The light's not coming on. I could get frustrated and try to hit that switch as hard as I could. But what's the problem? It's not plugged in. If you are not plugged into Jesus Christ, there's no light shining out of your life. There's no fruit being produced because we can do nothing apart from Jesus. Nothing. God's part, he produces fruit. 75% of fruit, 90% of the fruit, 97% of the fruit, 100% of the fruit God produces. Our part, abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. Jesus says, when we abide, we bear much fruit. When we abide, we bear much fruit. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Fruit bearing is the result of an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. It is the supernatural Christian life. Jesus producing his fruit through us as we are abiding in him. Jesus answering our prayers as we are abiding in him. Jesus doing his greater works as we are abiding in him. Jesus transforming our attitudes and our character as we are abiding in him. Jesus using us to show compassion and love and service to others as we are abiding in him. Jesus making us bold to, to reflect his light and love and to be witnesses for Christ as we're abiding in him. Jesus enabling us to have faith and to endure and have patience as we are abiding in him. Jesus producing in our thoughts and our hearts and our words, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control as we are abiding in him. God produces the fruit and we we abide in Jesus. Jesus says this, if anyone does not abide in Jesus, he's cast out, he's gathered up, and he's burned. Whoa. How are you going to handle that one, JP? Well, actually, it says this, verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, Jesus is speaking, it's Jesus, if anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they're burned. Let me just tell you, it's one of the wonderful things about actually studying the Bible. You learn more about what the Bible says when you do what? Study it. What did I tell you? This, this whole passage is based upon an, an I-you relationship. I being Jesus, you being us, branches. I being the vine, Jesus, and you being the branches. So all throughout, Jesus is saying, you, 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 you. And now he says, if anyone. Jesus has moved from the personal to the hypothetical. So he's not talking about the you anymore. He's talking about the hypothetical anyone. And he uses 
because words matter and, and the, 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 the grammar actually matters. Jesus says, if anyone does not abide in me, that if anyone does not abide, that is a present tense verb. If anyone is a not abider, if anyone doesn't abide, their, their life is non-abiding. So he has gone from the you who are a branch because I'm actually in you to the anyone who never abides. Well, the anyone who never abides is someone who's not a believer in the first place. He's not talking about some believer who loses their salvation. That's not in this passage at all. This is talking about the person who never had salvation in the first place because they're an anyone who's not an abider. And Jesus only says what he says on many occasions about that. The ultimate, the ultimate end of the person who is a non-believer, has no connection to Jesus, is judgment. That's just what Jesus says over and over again. That's not a new truth that Jesus has introduced. It's a consistent biblical truth. But it's not the point of this passage. He's, just, he's pointing that out because he comes back to the you. The you is the us, believers in Jesus Christ. And he says, the us, what do we got to do? Abide. God produces fruit. We, we abide. And so he says in verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. We are to abide in Jesus and let his words abide in us. This passage has three things that it says that is the responsibility of a branch. That's a believer. The one, it says over, 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 over again, abide in Jesus. And then that's qualified with letting his words abide in us and asking for whatever we wish. So part of how we abide in Jesus is letting his words abide in us and asking him for what we wish. Our part, abide, let his words abide in us, ask, God's part, produce fruit, change us through his word, clean us through his word, answer our prayers. God produces fruit. We abide in Jesus. We're, we're to let his, his words abide in us. It's, it's, the, it's the Greek term rhema, the personal words of Jesus. This is the word, by the way, it's used over in Ephesians chapter 6. It's talking about the armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God. And it goes through all the pieces of the armor, you know, the, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the, the, the shield of faith, the feet prepared with the gospel of peace, and the sword of the which is the word of God. It's the term rhema. The sword of the spirit is the rhema of God. And it reminds me of the input of that great theologian, Russell Crowe, in that Christian movie, Gladiator, where Russell Crowe is, is on his knees with his hands behind his back like this, and one of the soldiers who has betrayed him is about to take the sword out and kill him and it's early in the morning and it's cold and he can't get the sword out of the scabbard and Russell Crowe looks at him and says it's the frost it makes the blade stick and then he comes up hits the guy somehow gets the sword and then kills him and escapes and you know gladiator goes on to become gladiator now JP, that was a great little you know, movie trivia, but what does that mean? Here's the point. Russell Crowe knew information about the sword. It's the frost. It makes the blade stick. But more than just knowing information about the sword, he knew how to actually use it. 
See, there's people here, we, we know stuff about the Bible, but are we actually using it? See, that's what Jesus says. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, my rhema in you. So you not only know things about the Bible, you're receiving the actual words of Jesus that help you abide, that help you follow Jesus, that help you become the kind of branch that God can flow his life through and produce fruit. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. And he says, we're to ask for what we desire. So, so God's part produced fruit. Our part is to Abide, 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 and let his word abide in us. And our part is to ask for whatever we wish. We're, we're to be askers. He's the answerer. But, you know, are you a rarely asker? A, a, an occasional asker? A regular asker? A continual asker? See, Jesus says, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Do you want Jesus to sometimes, rarely do some stuff for you? Do you want him to regularly do stuff for you? Or you want him to always be doing stuff for you? See, it's the, it's the connection. The, the abiding connection that determines the, the flow of the life of Jesus to produce the fruit. We're to abide, we're to let his words abide in us. We're to ask for whatever we wish and it will be done for us. And here's the last, the last point. He says, our fruit bearing glorifies God and reveals that we are Jesus' disciples. It's to God's glory to produce fruit in our lives. And, and when we're in an abiding relationship with Jesus and we're asking for what we wish and we're letting his word abide in us, he produces fruit. In fact, much of the fruit is the answers to the prayers that we're praying. And as that fruit is being produced, we, we become disciples. That's really what he says. He uses the verb ginamai, which means to become or to be but the idea behind that is we distinguish ourselves as disciples of Jesus by the fruit that he produces through our lives. Have you, ever, have you ever met someone that you just knew they were a follower of Christ? You could tell. Just what was coming out of them, the attitude, the, the, the other-centered, the, the humility, the strength, the confidence, the faith. It just, Jesus was just coming out of them, and you knew it, right? Um. That, that phrase, uh, you'll know it when you see it. You know where that really came from? It, it, it was a Supreme Court case. 1958, Supreme Court case. It was an obscenity case. It was a, a movie that got shut down because it violated the obscenity laws of the town. It made it its way all the way to the Supreme Court. And, and Justice Potter in ruling his final decision, talking about obscenity, says, I, I may not be able to fully define it, but I know it when I see it. I know it when I see it. I know it when I see it. The fruit of Jesus Christ in your life, I, I know it when I see it. The fruit of Jesus Christ in my life, I know it when I see it. See, God glorifies himself by producing much fruit through our lives, and we live 
as disciples of Jesus. God's part, produce fruit. Our part, abide in Jesus. Abide in Jesus. Abide in Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray for myself, I pray for every person in this worship service that the clarity of your word would, would speak to us, that we'd receive the word implanted, which is able to save our souls, that we'd fully understand how simple it is. It's abide in Jesus Christ. It, it, it's the most proactive thing we could ever do, but you're the only one who can produce fruit. So I, I pray, Father, that we would surrender ourselves to you, that, that we'd, we'd engage with Jesus, we'd commit ourselves to Jesus, we'd, we'd, we'd secure everything that we know how to be in that relationship with Jesus so we're branches where he can produce his fruit through in amazing ways. God, I pray that our church would be like that. God, produce your fruit, produce much fruit, produce remaining fruit through Crossline. May we be fruitful because we're abiding in Jesus. It's all about Jesus. We're exalting Jesus. We're praising Jesus. We're worshiping Jesus. We're serving Jesus. We're proclaiming Jesus. We're letting Jesus transform us. We're, we're, we're abiding in Jesus. And so, Jesus, you, through us, produce much fruit. We, we, we pray for that for our church, and I just pray for that for every person here, wherever they are. And, and if there is anyone here who has never connected with you, Jesus, right now, I pray if, if that's you, just say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sin. Be my Savior. Live through me and produce your fruit through me. If there's anyone here who, who's a branch but by your own evaluation, you haven't been doing a very good job of abiding. Just tell Jesus, you're sorry. <laughs> Say, forgive me, Jesus. I, I want to be connected to you. I want to abide in you today, tomorrow, for the rest of my life. Jesus, produce all of your fruit through me. God, I pray that'd be true for each person here. And I ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen.